Let's start with some tough love, all right? You two suck. Say my name. That's what the kids call Prissy guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by the Royal Bobbles Collection at bobbleheads.com. For all your favorite characters from the Gillivers, shop the Royal Bobbles Collection at bobbleheads.com. Also brought to you by Rode Microphones, the official microphone supplier of Inside the Gillivers. See their entire lineup today at rode.com. Now, please welcome your host, Eric Broadbent. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Season 2, Episode 3 of Inside the Gillivers, where we talk all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. My name is Eric Broadbent, and it comes with great pleasure to welcome tonight's guest. You know her as Paige Novick from Better Call Saul's Mesa Verde, the lovely and talented Kara Pivko. Kara, how are you? Hi, I'm doing really well. Really happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. An absolute pleasure. And for those that don't know, a fellow Canadian, I'm outnumbered so many times by <laughs> a couple weeks back from Germany, your good friend, Ben. Yes. He's yeah. like the reason I'm here. So thank you. I'm so grateful that that all came up. Thank you for following up on it. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> that was lovely. It was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm true Canadian here. I'm, pl- I'm pleased to have you. And it was uh, I'm very grateful to Ben as well, too. That was such a fun conversation with him. We bumped our, the time schedule so we could accommodate him. It was 3 o'clock our time, and I think it was probably around 9 o'clock his time at night. So that worked out well. But, yeah, great to have you here. I mean, talk about a hit show. We're going to be talking a lot, not only Better Call Saul this evening, but we'll be talking about, uh, you know, growing up in, in Canada, which is uh, something we've, we're, we're both having in common. We'll talk a little bit about some things outside of the box that people might not know, some voice acting, life coaching, all that good stuff. But uh, first and foremost, a big uh, thank you to everyone jumping over in the chat. We've got our moderators over here joining us to helping us as well. I'll say hi to a whole bunch of people very quickly. We've got Laura Yu here, Andrea Noak. Uh, we have Karina, one of our moderators as well, too, and friends. Aya Mandleton. Uh, and I know I'm saying her name, Mendalton. I know I'm saying it wrong. Arctic Sakai. I got to show you something real quick. I didn't get a chance to put these up on the wall, but we have a lot of talented artists in the Gilliverse, and they, 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 uh, many of them, and they, uh, do drawings of our guests, and so to speak, when they're coming on the show and stuff like that. And I just mentioned Arctic Sakai. So she did this one here. She sent this to me, framed and everything inside of uh, Hector Salamanca, Mark Margolis. Can you see that? Almost. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. A so little over. A little lower. A little over. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that's Mark Margolis, all digital. Cool. Beautiful work. Yeah. And then this one yeah, here. I feel like I have to talk louder to reach the people in the, in the chat. Yeah. Great work. <laughs> that, was, that was over in the chat, which I can't see, unfortunately. Ooh. Mon- wow. That's intense. Lewis and Danny, Moncada brothers. So very, very nice. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that, uh, Arctic Sakai. I haven't had a chance to get them on the wall yet. Uh, let me see here. Who else we got jumping in? I know we got a bunch of, uh, it's a full house. Um, let me I see here. That. Pardon? That. I can't see the chat. Yeah, I know. I should have sent you a link to the chat as well, too. I sh- that's my bad. I should have sent you that. But it's a pop-out thing on the side. Ursula Singleton is here. Six String Brian is here. Warren Royal, my good friend from Royal Bobbles and Bobbleheads.com, uh, is here as well, too. Michelle is here. Eamon Wise, buddy and uh, moderator. Uh, let me see here. Welcome. Yes. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, so you can't see it. So that's what you do. You just yell, and then they'll hear you. That's it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. 
So, <laughs> so let's, while we warm up with some, we'll get to some Better Call Saul stuff here shortly, but why don't we talk a little bit about uh, growing up in Canada, Toronto, of course. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, growing up in, in Canada and your journey to becoming an actor. Sure. Uh, it very much started in Toronto. Uh, are you familiar with Sharon Lawson Brand, the children's singers? I, you know, oddly enough, yes, I am very aware. Okay, so why is that oddly enough? Because I because I watched it and it wasn't really in my wheelhouse. I loved it, I, I, and it was very very popular here. In, I mean, immensely popular in Canada. Very very accessible, beautiful work that they do, and. Um, Sharon is actually a family friend. She and my mom go back. They were childhood friends. So when they started doing their records, it was sort of a using who was around kind of a thing. So I was brought on at the age of three doing my first record with Sharon Lawson Brand. And so I did a bunch of years of that. And then when I was seven, they started doing The Elephant Show, which was when they moved into television got an audition for that. And that's where I got my start. I did five seasons of that, just a few episodes a year. So I didn't have to miss too much school, but I got my feet wet and the bug bit. So after that was when I asked for an agent and we asked around and I started doing the rounds of Canadian television and kept going in that direction and went to Earl Haig in Toronto, North Toronto for, for, for drama and music and Got more serious right at the end there and applied and went to the National Theatre School in Montreal and then went back to Toronto, now doing theatre and voiceover and then made the move after This is Wonderland um, and my other CBC show, Our Hero, um, started to feel like, like I wanted to explore American waters. So during, during my time with... Um, this is Wonderland. I started to make the application to come here, which was a very long process. And I just, you know, wanted to have more, more choice in, in the kind of work that I could do or that I had available to me. So long story short, made that move about 16 years ago and have been based in LA since. I know we talked off here and you come back and visit from time to time, you know, when it's safe to do so and things of that nature. Do you miss, do you miss home? Do you miss Canada a little bit? Oh, sure. Lots. I, that's where my heart is. That's where my family and friends are. And there's that's that's where I come from. So luckily, I still have a, a lot of family and friends there. So so COVID aside, I would go back two times a year. We've missed this trip and I'm feeling it. And my kids are missing the snow and <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I miss it terribly. Yeah. I, you, I imagine you must hear all the time because you know we we hear the, in the in the news all the time Americans talking about Canadians are the Canadians are so polite and we say sorry for everything you know I'm like the type of person that pulls up to a red light and I got a passenger and I, and I was like oh we're at a red light and I'm like I'm sorry and I apologize for the red light as if it's my fault yeah it's pretty ridiculous the whole sorry thing <laughs> yeah I know right but it's I mean a while to adapt like coming to the states when you know you would say thank you and people here say uh huh what <laughs> yeah you're, like, so you're welcome yeah, yeah whatever happened to you're welcome i like you're welcome somehow that becomes uh-huh here. i know I, I don't get it i don't get it but let's talk a little bit about the um first of all that's awesome the backstory from canada and uh, you know venturing out to the, the states let's talk a little uh, bit about all right, one more funny canadian thing uh so here in la there's the there's the cemetery where they post huge movies on one of these walls and it's like an outdoor movie viewing spot and 
in one film, they, they named Canada. They said something about Canada. And I heard, and of course, the appropriate call. Exactly. Yeah, you want to find out who's Canadian in the audience, just do a Bob and Doug and, and you'll yeah. find out real quick. That's, that's the real secret handshake. That's right. <laughs> And a Labatt fifty, you know, that's how we. That's how you you commemorate the the meeting with <laughs> to, toast with a fifty. Exactly. Sorry to interrupt. Oh no, no, that's hilarious. I could reminisce on all that stuff forever. I mean, I, I mean, being called a hoser and wearing a toque is uh, part of our DNA, right? Absolutely. I've I've taught my children what a toque is. It's taken some education. In fact, my last trip back, I uh, I got a box of Smarties and brought it back because we have an ongoing argument about what Smarties are, because here they call what we call rockets, you know, the mm-hmm. Halloween candy, you know, those are called Smarties. No and way. Like, those are not Smarties. And so this time I brought a box back to, uh, to prove it. Now I bet you, I'll bet you they liked, did they like the real Smarties better? Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. Right. Chocolate and everything. Yeah. It's yeah. way better than plain old sugar candy. Isn't that something? And again, there is a there is a big difference. There's a lot of chocolate bars and things of that nature too that uh, we each carry. That you know, we you can't get in Canada or vice versa. That's fantastic. It, it's oh, a it, it's so funny. I've had people talk to me going back to the toque idea. I've had people say, um, "Oh yeah, he's he like American friends. Oh, he's wearing a toque. No, toque is what you do. A toque is what you wear." Right. <laughs> You know, here's a good question coming in. And I'm going to mention to everybody in the chat, if you can as well, too, um, you can either tag our moderators, uh, you can tag Eamon or Karina, or even better yet, tag Music Gear Network, and my name will light up in orange, so I won't miss your question. But we have one coming in from uh, Blazy Gardner. She always has great questions. She says, do you think if given the opportunity, Paige would break bad with Kim? I love that question. Ooh, well, well phrased. Would would she break bad with Kim? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, Paige, Paige is pretty loyal to Kim. Like there's, there's a beautiful deep friendship there, um, that has always been intended to supersede the work. And I think it's part of what makes that relationship so deep and connected and fun and, um, that there's always that friendship first. So I I think that that would always, um, take priority. Okay. Do you, do you think Kim's, she's getting a little dark. Do you think she has that potential, even if she's doing it on her own or with Jimmy, do you think she might have the potential to uh, break a little bad? I cannot wait to see. I know, right? I'm, I'm as curious as everyone else. I know. about that. But, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of it, but, you know, Paige certainly has her, her moments of um, willingness to, 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 to break the rules or to go against things. So, I don't know. I suppose it depends. I would, I don't, it'd be interesting to see if there was a breaking point as it were and, and to see what kind of um, force that Paige could perhaps hold up against Kim as like a memory of like just the way that Kim does for, for Jimmy of like, what are you doing? This isn't who you are. And I, yeah. I could, I could imagine that kind of thing happening. So maybe in that way, yes, just to kind of remind her of who she is, but I'm just, capitulating the cool thing is though i know this for a fact and i and i know you can't elaborate on anything and I, nor would i ask you anything that's uh you know spoilers and a lot of times you wouldn't even know anyways because you don't have the scripts ahead of time but i i like the fact as well too that every person who is attached to these shows 
is a fan, even whether they're on the show still or their character's been killed off or left or whatever. They are diehard fans. They just happen to get a paycheck from the show. It's amazing to see the the commitment and love that uh, all of you have for the shows too. Yeah, I, I would definitely put myself on that list as well. It's, you know, when you have a show that's created with such intention and such care and such kindness, I know there's a lot of grotesque things that happen, but from a creation point of view and from a, a feeling on the set point of view and how things are run, it's just done with such gentleness and care that that I, I'm, I'm a diehard forever for sure, fan. I, I know, and, and everyone will be as well. Before I go to the next question, I'll just share something with you, which is something you know for sure. Um, have you had a lot of time working with Vince Gilligan? Like, did you see him on set much? I know he's not, wasn't actively <clears throat> always there for Better Call Saul, but did you uh, interact with him uh, f- several times? Yeah, definitely. There were, there were a bunch, and there was at least one episode that he directed. Um, and then I was on a podcast with him after the fact, which was a fun just way to hang out and and, and dive into things a little deeper. And um, yeah, he was he was around. And that's what I mean. And certainly the awards and all that kind of stuff. Some of those, you know, um, what do you call them? The launch parties mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff as well as on set. And I mean, you know, him. it's there's just this beautiful gentleness. Yeah. And ease and sweetness and approachability and openness with him and and that's what trickles down from the top he and peter as far as the the mood that they create the way that they approach any conversation is with such like you know thoughtfulness and you know he's got that gentle tone and you know he'll sort of drop back and consider something and full full nerd full geekness and and just a beautiful big warm heart it's contagious isn't it Oh yeah. 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 It does. It trickles down. That's, that's why it's such a good set. Yeah. There's a, I'll, I'll share this story with you really quick. This was what Mark Margolis told me this and uh, our viewers have heard this uh, question or this comment a couple of times. I've made this, so it's, it's old news to them, but I know you'll appreciate this. Mark Margolis was uh, there shooting the scene where, you know, Walt's kind of uh, the finale of season four. Uh, Breaking Bad was going to blow up, uh, you know, Gus and take Hector Salamanca and everybody uh, with him and in the old folks home, retirement home. And so they're in between scenes, whatever. And Vince is over there pulling the drapes and Hector's uh, window in and out of the window and just positioning the drapes and he position them and move them back. And then it was like going on and on and on. And Mark says, he goes, uh, Vince, if this whole if this whole show comes down to the position of those curtains, we're screwed. And Vince kind of like really gave it to him. He says, it's all in the details, Mark, like this, right? And sure enough, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where artistry is seen. Uh, we had one like that too, where you're in a boardroom, one of the boardroom scenes in, in one of my earlier seasons, and they spent a huge amount of time adjusting the lights on the table. And, and at one point, they even switched them all out to a different kind of lamp i mean and then just getting the position just right a huge amount of time and and it's not it's not diva energy so much as artistry it, it's it's that's that's how all of the greats that i've worked with are that slight adjustment that makes a huge difference to the painting the picture mm-hmm. the whole shape the frame i mean i know it's the word we use but like yep. frame as in a piece of artwork as well and that's what we're inside of in a show like that is, is these pieces of art. Mm -hmm. There was one, one episode. So Kim and I 
are in uh, uh, a down, downstairs at, um, you know, that huge, huge lobby. And so, and we're doing the scene and I, I, I knew that my mark was particular, like this, the spot on the ground that mm-hmm. I needed to stand. And, and it wasn't until I watched the episode that I realized the incredible piece that I was a part of where the light was coming through just so and sparking just so it was like they captured the sun and brought it through in, in just this beautiful way that tells a whole story. It's one of the things I love about watching this show is I'll just pause it and just marvel at the paintings that they create. Yeah. Every scene is a postcard. Yeah. Yeah. Postcard is probably better than painting. There yeah. was, there, no well, painting but, was yeah. yeah. Postcard or painting. I think I know what you're referring to too. The scene we see the giant Mesa Verde cowboy statue. I mean, it's like yes. 16, 18 feet tall. Sublime, right? Yeah. Oh my God. We were so excited when we walked in Rex and I, when we saw that we were like, wow. <laughs> it also helped us know that maybe Mesa Verde was sticking around for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. We had Marshall Adams on the show and man, Tom and I were picking, I mean, Tom is spoiled. Tom works with him every day, but I mean, myself, I'm like picking his brain, trying to find all these little tricks they do for the lighting and just is, I've just complete geek mode. I mean, I was in heaven getting to, you know, and so are the viewers getting to hear how they do these things with a little, almost like a light bright type of a lighting setup to give twinkle and heat canisters to make them all just crazy. But here Here's a question that came in. This was uh, one of our friends, uh, Nat Romero. She's over in Barcelona, Spain, I believe, and she couldn't make the show tonight. So she had a question for you, and I wrote it down. She says, I loved Paige in the show, um, how she was super professional but always on Kim's side. And then she says, okay, almost always. Did you and Ray work on your backstories on how they become, became so tight? Also a request. Can you, can, could you say again, muddying the waters? Thanks. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs> muddying the waters that like that was that was so fun that scene i feel like was the one that really put Paige on the map okay and 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 kudos to them and gratitude to them for giving me that moment to be able to go toe-to-toe with michael mckean so few got the opportunity to stand against him because of the position that he held yeah age was was just on the on the outskirts enough, but on Kim's side enough to be able to be rightfully pissed off with, with him trying to manage things that way. So thanks for the question. Um, You know, it kind of opens the door to how fabulous Racy Horn is. And um, she is so gracious that even in her incredibly busy shooting schedule, she would find time to to come to the hotel where 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 Rex and I were staying to to rehearse. So we would find time the day prior to to go over everything and to bond and to just hang out. And we went out for dinner early on. And so it wasn't so much that. And yes, of course, we talked backstory. So yes, but those those rehearsals, that dinner, those dinners just really helped us. Connect. connect yeah in the exact way that 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 page and kim do so it it wasn't so much method acting so nope. much as here's an incredible woman and i'm really excited to to know her and vice versa so it made an easy translation to everything that we needed to accomplish on set and you know even when there are moments of sort of more adversarial um contention it, it's always easier 
to do that with an actor who you have built trust with mm-hmm. because you know you can push the line and feel safe to to challenge it as opposed to I don't know you very well or I don't like you very much and that sort of puts you as an actor in a place of like playing it safe or being careful or polite and that's death yeah for, for an actor. that's that's not where we want to live we want to be in that place where we can make that leap take that challenge push something you know just like I've got a frame here, push the edge of, <laughs> of, of what the relationship is. And, and I always felt comfortable to do that with her. That's great. And it's, I, I look at it from the music side of things. I'm a, a musician and you look at bands, you know, and one of the key the success stories of bands a lot of times is kind of like what you say, you know, going out for dinner, stuff like that, but the bands having their barbecues and hanging out with the birthday celebrations, all that stuff and doing this, everything but work. And then it just becomes, you know, you know everything about them, you know, the, you know, the kids' birthdays, you know, all that stuff. And when it comes time to doing work, you, you kind of bring that with you and you know them, you know, like you say. And even sometimes you might have like a nemesis and, uh, you know, the arch rivals. And, you know, they're, you know, like uh, Walter, Brian Cranston and, and uh, uh, Giancarlo, you know, they could be having a, a ball offset and then hate each other on screen, right? Yeah, like the like the Roadrunner and the Sheepdog. Yeah. Yes, wasn't that the best? <laughs> I bet they had a great time after and went to the bar and. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, I know you've you've talked a lot on on these episodes about you know sort of comparing theater and television and sort of continuing that thread that in theater there's so much more of an opportunity to build that bond with with the lengthy rehearsal processes and in television there is more often not not the chance for that, Mm -hmm. especially if it's something more short run. So that's the other gift of being on a show more long run like this is that we get that opportunity to, to, to bond. And also the benefit of shooting away from home is, is all of us are there doing just that. Mm -hmm. Like we all have that shared focus. And so we all get on the same rhythms. It's different than when you go home and you get into family mode and all that, you kind of go back and forth. Whereas there, if we're not on set, we're available to, right. to rehearse or, or, or hang out or, or, you know, just be in touch, you know, and, and Ray also just while we're on the, can I gush on Ray a little bit more is she, she was so gracious when, when I first came to set, um, well, you know, I, I speak about Rex a lot cause we were just together all the time and I love him to pieces and we're, we're friends in real life. And I just think he's just a beautiful human being. Um, and so she showed us around and the like, like, she's so busy. She has so much on her plate, but she takes the time to get craft service and introducing us all around the set. And like, it's just, I, I really, I really, really tip my hat to, to that type of graciousness of, of being, being the lead of the show. Yeah. She, she is very accommodating with her time, and I, I, I don't know how she does everything she does. She is extremely busy. She's been good to us here as well, too. Uh, is a, 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 real, a real incredible person, for sure. We're going to jump over to a section, and Rex, I love Rex as well, too. I mean, I want to get him on the show down the road. I've loved all of his past work. I mean, he's just, he's a chameleon. He, he, he fits into anything like a, glo- this seamless, like one of my friends, Lou Temple, he plays, he usually gets, play, plays a guy who gets killed all the time, but he, he is a chameleon. He blends into anything. And I think Rex is just like that too. Yes. Yes. And fits right into with that big heart. Yeah. Oh, it's a storyteller. Oh my God. He, yeah. He's the sweetest human being. It's just, it's a pleasure to, 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 we would go for dinners with him and whoever else. Mm-hmm. And he would, 
prep for it. He would he would like be all excited, kid in a candy store type energy to like get into the details of people's careers, you know, things that I tend to shy away from. Yeah. And he'd get right in there like a fan and and ask all the big questions. Just so sweet, so fun. Loving pieces. He strikes me as a guy who's going to come up and give you a handshake and and crush your hand. Uh, have you have you shaken? I mean, he's probably going to be gentle with, with a lady, but if you does he have a strong handshake? He has a strong handshake. He has a strong hug, but he's respectful. He doesn't crush people's hands. He's a, he's a teddy bear, right? <laughs> Yeah, definitely a teddy bear. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'll have to talk to him sometime soon about that. We have a section on the on the show here. It's uh, it's kind of for our members. It's uh, it's uh, our member section where they've sent me voicemail, voice recording questions. So I've got two questions for you tonight. Uh, one, the first one I'm going to play is from Karina, and I'll play that for you now. Here we go. Hi, Kara. My name is Karina. Um, almost all of your scenes were with Ray Seahorn. My question is, what was your favorite thing about working with her and how thrilled were you to see that she got a Critics' Choice nomination? Yeah, totally thrilled. Very thrilled. Good Lord. I mean, <laughs> her performance is so incredible. It's it's one of the great injustices that, that she hasn't been nominated for some of the other awards. So really, really grateful that she's finally being recognized and honored. And I'm sure there's more of that to come. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've been gushing about her, but to answer your question further, she's she, she's a theater animal also, though, and there's nothing haphazard about what that woman does. The discussions we've had about about each moment and the possibilities of it. I mean, and we get goofy, you know, when we're rehearsing, we'll we'll play with it in ridiculous ways. You know, we I remember one rehearsal, Rex and Ray and I were in a boardroom in the hotel and we just we were like pretend okay pretend there's like a huge gust of wind and we're like pushing against the wind just to kind of mess with the scene like because if you turn it upside down then when you put it right side up again it, it it finds it finds a new way so working with her is like working with a laser beam or a scalpel like she's she's just like and it, it makes everybody else work harder in in because you want to you want to step up to that mark and and she sets the bar high I, I want to go back and I want to find the timestamp and, and quote you on that. There, that's a great quote. It was like a laser beam or a scalpel. That's pre, that's precision. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And by that, it's true. That's wow. that's that's what it feels like. And it, it's just everything is filled out. Everything is is considered. But it, it's um, what's beautiful about her work is it doesn't it doesn't look like that except when it's supposed to. You know, when when you know what the backstory is, you mm-hmm. know what you're getting on. And you see it in like the, just a little, you, you see it in what she doesn't bring forward. You see it in what she, she she's not being obvious about her choices, but you know, because you know the whole backstory, you've been following along, you know exactly what meaty thing she's sitting on or the contrary choice or what she's facing. And so you get to watch her be that razor blade. Yeah. Scalpel. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Skeletons better. Um, it seems like you brought her up, and we're gonna jump over to Lori's question in a second. I mean, a, a classically trained actor like yourself. I mean, you've got the chops. You've you've done so many things. Your IMDb resume is like a, a, an actor's dream. But is there anything that you know, going home at the end of a day, uh, work doing some scenes with with uh, with Ray? Uh, do you is there any takeaways? I, I mean, even little little things are like, hmm, that's cool. Like, is there any takeaways or even in any of your colleagues on I mean, they're all so talented. Uh, any, any little takeaways that you bring home and think, Mac, maybe I could work that into my, into my shtick, so to speak. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned about, you know, Ray in particular, 
the way that she considers numerous angles of, of how a moment came to be, contemplating all the different choices that perhaps aren't the ones that would end up in the script, other ways that the conversation could have gone, you know, well, maybe one of us could have said da 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 da, but we didn't. We said this, and and I appreciated that. And I hadn't I hadn't looked at any I hadn't looked at it in quite that way. The way that she approaches it in that way, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, Rex and I have rehearsed together so much, and and his method is so different. But like the way that the way that he rehearses, and therefore the way I would rehearse with him. I'm I'm more of a dive into it, feel it, play it out kind of a kind of approach. And 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 Rex really likes to 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 go over things a lot. And and so I learned to appreciate that and and to play with him in that way was was something that I, I did take on afterwards since since then. And well I think Dennis is watching as well of Schweikart and Kopi. So hi. Oh, nice. um, and, you know, and, and he's, we just had a ball too, you know, like we kind of found our way into, into a friendship, even though we didn't have that many scenes together until later. And that's been a really, really fun relationship. And he brings like a, a, a chiding bitterness and a, a fun sense of taking the piss out of things that, that I have, have really come to enjoy a treasure. <laughs> he reminds me of a rock star. He reminds me of a rock star. I don't know why. Totally. Right? Totally. I totally get that vibe. Yeah. I, I totally know why you would see that. Yeah. I don't know if he's like, if he's like, a, you know, the guitar player in Bob Seger band or I don't know what. It's <laughs> just, a, just a rock star. I think he could fit in no problem. Let's jump over to Lori's question. It's an audio question as well. And I know what it is. And this, we're going to jump completely into another, we're going to jump into another galaxy is what we're going to do. Here we go. Hello, Kara. This is Lori. You did the character voice of Sula Quayne in Star Wars The Clone Wars with a French accent. Was the accent one of the many things you learned while in theater school, and did it come easy for you? Thank you. Another galaxy indeed. What a lovely segue. <laughs> I'm getting good at this. Galaxy far, far away. Um, yeah, so uh, I went to theater school in Montreal. So I was surrounded by the Quebecois dialect and um, really enjoyed the, the, the way that the National Theatre School of Canada works is there's the French program and the English program. Um, but some classes we shared, like there was a singing class that we shared together and certainly all of the spaces we shared, um, as well as just being surrounded by it everywhere that you went outside. And one of the exercises I remember that we were given you know, it's, it's, it's winter, it's cold. And so everybody's, you know, wrapped up in a scarf. And so they told us to follow people and, and, and pick out little bits of their conversations and, and mutter them to ourselves as a, as a tool of, of building certain characters that we were just playing with. So I think uh, partially because of the, the dialect work we did there, although we didn't harp on that unless it came up from time to time, I would say that just being in, in Quebec, helped bring that accent to being in my back pocket. Um, and I don't remember why I pulled that out for, for that particular uh, character in the first place. I don't think it was asked for. Maybe it was. Maybe it was in there. 
and uh, it certainly brings a nice color to it. So, so I, I, I like that character. That's been fun. So thanks for bringing it up. That's a good one. Lori, Lori is our, Lori is our female Mike Ehrmantraut. Uh, she, um, she's a, <laughs> she's a private eye. She's not, uh, she works in the, in the medical profession, I believe, but she always has these deep questions and she, she'll email me and she'll say, is that, is my question good? I'm like, yes, it's great. Like, I mean, cause it's nice cause we get to jump in and out of our comfort zones here. Right. And of course, talking that I'm going to, I'm going to jump into a question, not a question, but a comment because you've done so many of these different, uh, um, voice acting gigs in video games and something my son loves. Um, the, you've had a, a million different titles and, uh, you know, character names, but the one that really shocked me was bliss horror. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. I'm like, okay. All right. Yeah. Resume and okay. Ooh, what, what's that? Yeah. Is that God of War? I yeah. think maybe probably. Ascension. Ascension. I don't. I don't know the title that well, but God of War Ascension. I think it was. Yeah. Maybe I don't remember the title so much, but yeah, there 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 was a lot of heavy breathing. Yeah. I I I'm not gonna lie. I blushed and giggled like a little a teenager when I read that one, and I thought I'd bring it up and try to catch you off guard. Well, it worked. Okay. All right. All right. And now now we'll move away from that in case the young kids are watching. I should have beeped that word out. Uh, I am in Dalton. This says, uh, Kara, if you had the, if you were given the opportunity to choose a lawyer to defend someone's rights, would you choose Howard or Jimmy? Didn't mention Kim because uh, all, all of us would choose Kim. So you need someone to defend uh, uh, someone's rights. So you're going to ha- call Howard or Jimmy. I know who I'd pick, but I want to hear your thoughts. Boy, I mean, I'm going to go with Jimmy because he 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 plays outside the law but he gets the job done and and he always like keys into like who the person is and and just how how it can best how he can twist things and i appreciate that creativity <laughs> what what was your answer uh, same thing and although i mean Why? i've got to know i've got to know patrick fabian and I, i'm kind of friends with patrick fabian and i i love him to death so i feel bad by not picking howard um but it's just Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy gets 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 the the win. He does all the time. I mean, and Howard is such a play by the book kind of a guy. So I don't know. Maybe it's my creative heart, my creative soul, that would make me uh, align more on the Jimmy side. Whereas Howard always seems to have a stick up his butt. Yeah, and and so doesn't, which is what's so nice. Is is I love spending time with Patrick on set and off it's 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 really fun and he's here and i mean in la and yeah he's he's just a bright light and and a warm human yep you know uh, we talked earlier about uh, Bet- uh betsy kellerman and uh, julian emery and you know you know uh, jimmy is the type of person only guilt- guilty people hire and you know and, and a deal is what they got oj but can you imagine the oj dream team you <laughs> rex patrick fabian uh ray seahorn uh, Bob, uh, you know, can you imagine that whole team and, and maybe even a Chuck McGill for icing on the cake to represent someone who's in real trouble? Oof, I, would be, I would love to see how that might've gone. I know. I, I, I pity the prosecuting attorney on that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's just hope, let's just hope it's not DA Oakley and make it's not Peter Dyseth, right? <laughs> He'd be uh, stressing out with a coffee and then you got the dream team like you guys. Uh, uh, right? <laughs> that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Uh, Michelle says you have gorgeous teeth and of course love the short hair. Oh, thank you. It's nice comments. There was about five years of braces that led to these teeth. They, 
these two used to be completely sideways. And thank you to my parents and my mom who may be watching for giving me straight teeth. And the the short hair is kind of, uh, you know, women in their hair, but I had, I had really long hair for most of my career. And then I went through like a huge personal transformation. And I just felt like, shoot, if I don't, if I don't do something that is going to mark this change, then nothing will significantly change and it'll all go to dust. And mm-hmm. that was when I made the move to cut my hair. And now COVID has come and now I cut my own hair and actually did for a long time and have returned to it because of COVID. So actually it was a little overgrown. Truth is I like totally cut it yesterday yeah. because, because of this show. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I know I'm suffering right now as well too. And, and I, I've, I have, I, I've had like rock and roll hair for the long time and I've cut it and now it's getting disheveled and I want to get it done, but I have to wait as well too. Cause in our area we have complete lockdown pretty much. So just the essentials are open, right? Well, you've got the rock and roll thing to come back on. Hey, I'm curious, like that opening music, mm-hmm. is that, is that your rock and roll? Is that, for, is that yours? Wait, no. Or is that just nope. in the world of the kind of music that you play? Yeah, that's just, it's just kind of like, kind of fits everybody's genre. It's not necessarily rock. It's not easy listening. No, so that's not mine. That's just royalty free music. But um, I'll send you some links to some of my stuff. I'll share some of my, my, my stuff's a lot like Van Halen and stuff like that. Uh, this is a good question from Blazy Gardner. She's asking if you could play a character in any TV show, past or present, what would it be? Maybe something that uh, you know you've always a dream gig, or maybe a TV show you watched growing up as a kid, you know, or anything mm-hmm. like that. Anything that comes to mind? No. Um, on the theater side, I always wanted to play the the, the Wicked Witch from Into the Woods. Um, mostly because I wanted to sing that song. It's the last midnight. Oh, come on. <laughs> that, that song is just killer. That yes. Is killer. Um, I mean, there's people I want to work with, mm-hmm. Mark Ruffalo and Meryl Streep, if you're watching. See you on set sometime. That'd be great. Um, let's see. Uh, this is really weird. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'll come back to this question later. But what's popping up right now is Parenthood, which isn't a show that I follow deeply, but I just kind of liked what they were doing, and that's so much of my my real world. Yeah, that I, I liked how they what they addressed and how they addressed it. So that's not a show I've been on, but would 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 love to have been on. I think it's probably done now, but I'm not even up to speed on that. I know I might return to that. But. Sure. Let's, let's segue for a second, but at the same time, saying the same thing, how do you juggle um, parenthood and, mm-hmm. and being a, a busy actor and, and a lot of the other uh, things that you do, which we'll talk about very, very soon here as well too. How do you, how do you find the balance and, and obviously good support at home, great husband, things of that nature. But um, tell us a little bit about juggling that and still being a great mom and, and a great success on, on camera. Mm, well, thank you. Um, yeah, juggle is certainly the right word for it. And and the thing about balance is it's constantly shifting. And I do find that very much to be the case, so much so that, you know, uh, not professionally, but I, I, I love poetry. I write poetry and, and, and do some here and there on Instagram or Clubhouse or that kind of thing. But um, I, I've moved away from the word balance into the word harmony. Because I feel like balance is not something that can actually be achieved. It's, it, it's, it's going to move. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of it. And so if I'm not going to be swinging from, from one extreme to another, then, then I want to aim for harmony instead of balance. 
So that's the esoteric answer. Um, more practical would be we absolutely, I do have a very supportive husband and I'm incredibly grateful for that. And that's what makes this possible. They've walked by a couple of times and, yeah. and, and, you know, my daughter in particular, in, in particular, she's six. And I said, all right, I'm doing an interview. I said, it's, it's going, you know, it's pretty big. I'm going, so if you come on, then you're going to be on that show. So maybe don't come, but like, and maybe she might come. That's totally like, fine. Was here earlier. I mean, if, if your kids do, it's totally fine. This is a family-friendly show. Tom's okay. kids were bouncing off the, the couch doing front flips, so it's all good. Yeah. I did I did one one share once, and, and I had, like, a, a screen here at the time, and, like, my kids were, like, popping up over the, over the edge of the screen <laughs> and, like, totally off-staging my piece. It's tricky. I mean, as as every parent knows, it's, it, it, is, it is tricky to balance, yeah. and, and certainly when – when I do need to go to, to film away from home, it's, it's heartbreaking. My son packed a bag for himself on oh. one of my trips and put on a backpack and was ready to go to pick, you know, to get in the car at five in the morning. I mean, so we do things to stay in touch. You know, I bring my pictures of them and, and we write emails to each other and I make a point of doing my video calls with them when I'm away so that it feels like we're connected. I, I got a vision of it once many, many years, even before coming to the States about the kind of career I wanted. And, and I, I didn't have kids yet, but once they came around, I, I got the image of being the actor who was never home. And, and I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just sort of made an internal shift and, and I spoke to my manager about it. And I said, I would rather work less and work on shows that matter to me yes. than, than just, you know, be working on anything as much as possible. And, and I feel like that shift helped in, in the balance of things. So a lot of scheduling, which I'm not good at, I hired an assistant that helped because she handles the scheduling of things and uh, that helps a lot. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's ongoing. And, and I'm constantly shifting the harmonies. I love the word to how you use harmony because you, I was, my ears peaked as soon as you said that, because as a musician, you know, when mm-hmm. you're harmonizing, you know, when you're in sync and it just works, it just works. And there's a lot of players involved to make that harmony work. You know, the actors that you work with, I mean, you know, everything is in sync or it's not. And then when it's not in harmony, it's like listening to a bad violin and a 12 string guitar out of tune. It's just horrible. So, you know, when it's, uh, when you, everything's uh, clicking. With, with, when you're working in harmonies, even if it goes off, you can, you know, you can ride the dissonance and then slide back in. And there's something beautiful about that, that challenge and relief Mm -hmm. music. And, and I think it applies in, in life as well. Like the dissonance will come again and again. Yep. So ride the dissonance and then ride back into the harmony. That's something that I can do. That's something that I can ride, mm-hmm. you know, balance. Oh my God, I'm out of balance. And then, you you know, the self-flagellating and what have you and, you know, bad mother voice and all of that, which I, I, I tangle with and then have good moments. I'm like, all right, all right, I'm gonna go easy on myself here. Let's just look at some good moments here. That's yep, yeah. <laughs> how it is, right? Well, that's how all those years of muscle memory, if you're a a physical person playing an instrument or a painter or whatever, or a mental memory of chops and practicing and theater and all those things. So when you have those little slide out of harmonies and okay, that gets you back quicker than the person who doesn't have that, that the, the, 
the stand-up comedy routine in the clubs and, you know, practice, 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 practice. The more you have that to fall back on, that, that duration of getting back to the center is a lot quicker. Agreed. Well said. Yeah. I mean, it's a template that applies all over the place on set as well. You know, you, you get a director who's really tough to understand or really isn't thinking about, you know, what's in the actor's shoes because they're getting eaten by the machine. I, I've certainly seen that on, on other shows mm-hmm. and it, it becomes a different kind of challenge. So that that same template of riding into that dissonance and then coming back into harmony just becomes necessary to 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 make a scene work, a moment work, a relationship work. So it, it applies all over the place. Agreed. 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 We're doing good on time. We've got about 10 minutes left in the program. Um, I know it goes by fast. I told you. And well, see, we're in Canadian time. Our time's a little faster than yours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is more of a comment. This is from Robin Salazar. Robin says, thank you for your heartfelt episode in Heartland. My granddaughter recognized you before I did. And she was seven. She was like, that's Paige from Saul. (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's there's a different color. I mean, that was a fun a fun role because they they grew her. When I first showed up on that show, I, I did three episodes. I was um, this city slicker, stick in the mud fashion girl, and and then I went into this huge allergy thing, and then I came back after a nervous breakdown for my wedding. It was that was a fun arc and beautiful scenery, horseback riding on set. Give me a break! It was incredible. Oh, nice, nice. Um, Bob Rich says, uh, hi, Kara, what are some practical things an actor can do to craft performances that are as poignant as possible? Uh, what methods or practices work when wanting to touch an audience? Uh, Bob, right? What was mm-hmm. his Bob. Name? Yep. Bob, Bob Rich. Bob, just the way that you formulated your question tells me that you're on the right track. <laughs> so the connection to your own body, your tensions, where, 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 where you get tense and where you can release, where you can make a practice of releasing habitual tensions so that you can create on top of a blank slate as opposed to bringing certain habits that you're not aware of into every role that you play would be one thing. Uh, I, I mean, this is this is a, a, a topic of great passion for me. So really, we could go an extra hour and a half just <laughs> on that. Um, but one more thing, I'll, I guess I'll mention is um, good listening, that that's something that you can practice in your regular life of hearing what is the checkout girl saying to you? What 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 your partner, what any relationship you have really listening and taking that in as opposed to just considering what you're going to say next, because the, the best part about acting is, is listening. And mm-hmm. that's certainly what won me a continuing position on better call Saul. I was told was, was my listening and they liked that. And that's something that I have worked on for many, many years. And you want your listening to be as potent as as you're speaking and when you drop into the body in that way then it takes the pressure off of all the acting i'm doing up here you want to take the pressure off of yourself as much as possible good very good answer no that's that's good it was a good question as well too 
Uh, here is a comment from Michelle DeMatisse. She says, it's so interesting how her real-life persona is so much like her character in the show. What a sweet, professional, lovely person. Same as Paige. She is a doll as her character on Better Call Saul. Very nice comment. Thank you. And I agree. Uh, the Vivid Kiwi runs a really cool uh, Better Call Saul um, theories and uh, a, a YouTube channel. Very, very cool. And they were very kind to us last week and gave us a shout out to talking about some of the deleted scenes from season four and five. Some really cool stuff. Uh, I encourage you to check it out. But they say, I wonder if Paige and Kevin will ever catch on to the things that Kim has gotten away with or if the Mesa Verde arc is concluded as of season five. Now, obviously... You know, that you might not be able to speculate on that. And I know you're probably looking forward to some more screen time in season six. But do you think, Do you, of course, but do you think uh, they might be looking to back through Kim's paper trails and find some uh, shortcomings maybe? You know, I, there's, I know nothing. So let yeah. me start with that, that anything that I say is pure speculation. And you're right. Of course, I hope yeah. <laughs> to be back. And, and, and who knows? She certainly left enough... Um, open possibilities and 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 i hope that they pick up on those and and time will tell good good well we'll hope we'll hope for that and i'm looking forward to seeing you back on the screen for sure i mean i know we're looking forward to season six period we're all looking forward to that right and covid permitting we get through this soon get back to that i mean i'm definitely looking forward to to, we all are let's take a moment in the last few minutes here and and i'll try to get to some more fan questions if i can so and i apologize everybody if i've missed any of your questions i'm sure i've missed a bunch i'm so very sorry but let's talk about this life coach uh position that you have this role that you've been doing for quite some time you know for the average person like i mean i kind of know what that role is but i'm, I'm sure i'm going to be educated at the moment can you tell us what that role what that job consists of and and what got you into it sure um it started because i was doing so much acting coaching for people that were wanting to grow their place in the industry and i just have always had such an understanding of your life being an influence on your work, that they are not completely separate things. As a child, I went to Gestalt workshops. I won't spend time defining that. Go look up Gestalt. It's kind of fun to look at. But it gave me kind of a a look at adults, not as these perfect humans. And so when I was doing this sort of casual coaching for people, um, I would end up talking to them about their life in order to draw on, okay, so fine. So here's a character. Well, who is that character for you? Let's make a translation of a relationship for your life that suits that character. Okay, but now I wanted to understand that relationship so that we could grow it. Um, And then I just followed it up. It was something that I was doing anyway. And so I went and got training. It's now called the Coaching Institute. It was Strategic Intervention, which is um, the woman who runs it is Magali Pesha. She works with Tony Robbins, but she's so feminine. And I felt far more uh, attracted to that. Got my training there. And now I work on the team there. So we coach hundreds of coaches a year, uh, maybe a thousand, I'm not quite sure. And so life coaching is basically about looking at where you are now and how you want to get to where you want to be. My lean is toward creativity coaching. So a lot of the work that I'm doing is for people who um, are looking to grow their, their, their personal creative side. I founded something called Restart Your Art, which is a, a Facebook group. And, and that's where, where there's a lot of room for process. And I just, 
I think that there's far too much. We see finished product on television. How do we get there? Right. And so the work that I do with people kind of backs that up, looks at the whole picture and gets people to that, to that finish line in a way that understands that it's still a moving target, that it's still an organic thing. So that would be my long and short of it. Okay. Well, my short. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you sharing that with us for sure. And, and I've got a lot of your links as well too, in the description of the video to all your social profiles, your website, and then uh, the Facebook page as well. So we got that people can go down below and, and find out more about you. One of the last things I want to personally ask of you, and I know you get asked all the time, especially anyone right now during the pandemic, people are going to ask, you know, others, what are you watching? What are you binge watching? And I know you've answered these questions a million times. I'm going to ask you something that maybe hopefully not a lot of people have asked you. And I'm going to be a little selfish because I, I, I have selfish reasons for asking this. Number one, do you like to cook? I do. Do you? Do you and then you're, we talked about juggling earlier. So you do have, do you find time to cook? I do. I like cooking. You know, in one of the workshops I was hosting once, I had an actor, his name is Chris Malika, and I asked him to choose something that he loved to do. And he closed his eyes and he talked about cooking as alchemy and bringing together these other two elements to create something new. And it up leveled my relationship with cooking. And I, I you know, for somebody who um, has a natural, uh, lack of ease with domestic things just because I'm a wild creative I would write songs about it operation put food on the table <laughs> and like as I'm cooking I'm singing that little song hook yeah. because it makes me feel connected creatively to the act of cooking I, I need to find creative outlets in just about everything I do otherwise I start to feel um dead or angry okay well, what's, what's, and the reason why I'm asking this, I, was, I told you I was, getting, I was being selfish. I'm trying to come up with, I don't cook that often. I can cook a few things. I'm trying to make something really, really nice uh, for my sweetie, Nicole, and I really want to get some ideas. So what's your favorite dish to make? Well, does that help in terms of your, your approach to it? Because there is a huge difference. And I worked with, uh, uh, she's, she's a fashion designer, Mariana Zaharoff for, for quite some time. And in her designs, actually, this is hers. Um, she puts love, and she and she does it in her cooking as well. A pinch of love, the the, the sort of mm, exposing my woo side, the, the energetic intention that you put into whatever you make mm -hmm. is going to make the biggest difference. So even if you're making mac and cheese or 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 your signature spaghetti sauce or whatever you like to make. Honestly, past any ingredients or, or recipe that I could recommend would be to take a moment before you begin and think about how much you love her and okay. think about your relationship and where you want your relationship to grow and put that into the food and take a moment before you eat to take that in before you actually just dive in. And that makes it more of an experience. And I think that has far better value than any recipe. I agree. That, and, that, and that's well said. And she's probably upstairs listening right now. So she's going to remind me exactly what you said. So that's fantastic. <laughs> but you know what? My my son, Eric Jr. and I, we joke about this all the time. And I joke with Nicole about this too. You go, I mean, we had some, we had some takeout dinner tonight and, and it was good. And, and the love was put into the meal because it was fantastic. But have you ever gone to a place you take takeout and fast food is the worst for it? And you look at it and you're like, you can tell the whole person's life story by looking at that hamburger. You're like, 
Oh yeah, their their father lost a job. They're foreclosing on the house. All the like, like leaves in your hamburger. I know, and then you get this other one. It's like it's your sandwich or your submarine or whatever it is you're having is made with love, and it's just perfect and it tastes so good. But there's so many variables in between, and a lot of those people don't put that love into the meals. And even if they don't, even just you taking the moment to just notice the colors in the food that you're about to yeah. eat. And recognizing those colors as they align to your internal system can change the frequency of the food that you're eating and how it affects your system. Same burger, different intention makes a different, I don't eat meat, but like makes a different relationship between the food and how you take it in. That being said, coconut cream. Okay. Coconut cream to just about anything. Okay. Maybe not anything, but no coconut oil or coconut cream. What's the difference? Oh, uh, coconut cream, because a coconut oil, it's not as potent of flavor. And uh, the coconut cream will add like a a richness and a creaminess. Any pretty much anywhere where you would use milk or cream, use a coconut cream. I've got a soup that I just had for for lunch that was um, carrots and squash and a number of other vegetables. And I seared some garlic first and then I had some coconut cream in there. Oh, wow. So would that be a vegan um, substitute for milk? I guess so, right? That's cool. Very but it cool. tastes amazing. Okay, I'm going to make a note of that for sure. And if I, if I forget, I'm going to go back and watch the video. And we've got a good comment from Robin Salazar. She says, we're going to have to tag Eric with some recipes. Yes, I was taught to cook with love. So that's I'll get all these recipes. I'm sure going to have a bunch of the girls now sending me all these recipes. But I promise everyone, <laughs> including you, I promise we'll cook with love for sure. Yay. Well, what a way, to, what a perfect way to end the evening. Night, then this is a big win. <laughs> May everybody cook with love. That would make me very happy out of tonight. <laughs> that's that's our takeaway for tonight. Okay, be good to one another yeah. and cook with love. There you go. Well, oh, that warms my heart. Yes, please. Awesome. Well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. We're going to say goodbye to you off the air in a moment. Uh, I was very excited to have you here. Uh, first show back after a bit of a, a studio move here and things of that nature. And uh, really happy to have you. We'll uh, cordially invite you back anytime you'd like to come back on again. Love to have you. Maybe. Thank you so much. Maybe it might be partway through season six, and maybe we'll have an update on how what Paige is doing. We'll be excited to see her back on the screen. Fingers crossed, everybody, right? That'll yes. be good. Well, listen, everyone, <laughs> have a safe and fantastic weekend, and I emphasize the safe. Be careful out there. Follow protocols, please, so everyone can get back to their jobs. We can get back to these favorite shows that we love, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week, same time, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, right here on Inside the Gillaverse. And Kara, I'll say goodbye to you off the air. Until next week, everyone, cheers. Take care. Thanks again for tuning in to Inside the Gilliverse with Eric Broadbent. Be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. 